57. American bogies are for one horse or two, and either covered with a hood or open, among the varieties are the Goddard, the name of the inventor, the box, so called from the shape of the body, the cut under, i.e. cut out for the front wheels to cramp beneath and so turn in a narrow space, the end spring and side bar, names referring to the style of hanging, a skeleton bogie, lightly constructed, is used on the American speedways, built and maintained for fast driving. The word is of a known origin, it may be connected with bogey, cuvia truck. The supposed Hindustani Bhagayadig, often given as the source, appears to be an invention or an adaptation into the vernacular of the English word, B-U-G-I's, or B-U-G-H-I's, a people of Malayan stock, originally occupying only the kingdom of Boni in the southwestern peninsula of the island of Celebes. From this district they spread over the whole island, and founded settlements throughout the whole Malay archipelago. They are of middle size and robust, of very active, enterprising nature and of a complexion slightly lighter than the average Malay. In disposition they are brave, haughty and fierce, and are said to be more predisposed towards running amok than any other Malayans. They speak a language allied to that of the Macassars, and write it with similar characters. It has been studied, and its letters reproduced in type by drive BF Maths of the Netherlands Bible Society. The Bugis are industrious and ingenious. They practice agriculture more than the neighboring tribes, and manufacture cotton cloth not only for their own use but for export. They also carry on a considerable trade in the mineral and vegetable products of Boni, such as gold dust, tortoise shell, pearls, nutmegs and camphor. Their love of the sea has given them almost a monopoly of trade around Celebes. Their towns B.04P.0705 are well built and they have schools of their own. The king is elected generally for life and always from their own number, by the chiefs of the eight petty states that compose the confederation of Boni, and he cannot decide on any public measure without their consent. In some of the states the office of chief is hereditary, in others any member of the privileged classes may aspire to the dignity, and it not infrequently happens that the state is governed by a woman. The Bugis have been Mahometans since the 17th century. Their original form of nature worship had been much affected by Hindu influences and even now they retain rites connected with the worship of Shiva. See further Beagle and I, Celebes, Bugle, Bugle Horn, Key Bugle, Camp Bugle OR Regents Bugle FR, Bugle, Claron, Coraclefs, Bugle Eclefs, Jer, Flugel Horn, Signal Horn, Bugel Horn, Clappen Horn, Camp Horn, Eagle, Cornachromatica, a treble brass wind instrument with cup-shaped mouthpiece and conical bore, used as a military duty and signal instrument. The bugle was originally, as its name denotes, a bull's horn, of which it has preserved the characteristic conical bore of rapidly increasing diameter. Those members of the brass wind such as the horns, bugle, trumpet and tubas, which, in their simplest form, consist of tubes without lateral openings, depend for their scale on the harmonic series obtained by overblowing, i.e. by greater pressure of breath and by the increased tension of the lips, acting as reeds, across the mouthpiece. The harmonic series thus produced, which depends on the acoustic principles of the tube itself, and is absolutely uninfluenced by the manner in which the tube is bent, forms a natural subdivision in classifying these instruments, one those in which the lower harmonics from the second to the sixth or eighth are employed, such as the bugle, post horn, the cornet pistons, the trombone, to those in which the higher harmonics from the third or fourth to the twelfth or sixteenth are mostly used, such as the French horn and trumpet. 
three those which give out the fundamental tone and harmonics up to the eighth, such as the tubas and ophiclide. We thus find a fundamental difference between the trumpet and the bugle as regards the harmonic series, but although, to the casual beholder, these instruments may present a general similarity, there are other important structural distinctions. The tube of the trumpet is cylindrical, widening only at the bell, whereas that of the bugle, as stated above, is conical. Both instruments have cup-shaped mouthpieces outwardly similar. The peculiar shape of the basins, however, at the place where they open into the tube, angular in the trumpet and beveled in the bugle, taken in conjunction with the bore of the main tube, gives to the trumpet its brilliant blaring tone, and to the bugle its more veiled but penetrating quality, characteristic of the whole family. Only five notes are required for the various bugle calls, although the actual compass of the instrument consists of eight, of which the first or fundamental, however, being of poor quality, is never used. There are bugles in C and in E flat, but the bugle in B flat is most generally used, the key of C is used in notation, in order to increase the compass and musical possibilities of the bugle. Two methods have been adopted, the use of one keys and two valves. The application of keys to the bugle produced the camp bugle, and later the ophiclide. The application of valves produced the family of sax horns. The use of keys for woodwind instruments was known early in the 15th century, perhaps before. In 1438, the Duke of Burgundy paid Hennick and Hawks, instrument maker of Brussels, four riders apiece for three tenor bombards with keys. In the 16th century we find a key applied to the bass flute of Beck and later to the large tenor cornetto. In 1770 a horn player named Koelbel, belonging to the Imperial Russian band, experimented with keys on the trumpet, and in 1795 Wiedinger of Vienna produced a trumpet with five keys. In 1810 Joseph Halliday, the bandmaster of the Cavon Militia, patented the key bugle, with five keys and a compass of 25 notes, calling it the Royal Camp Bugle, out of compliment to the Duke of Count, who was at the time Commander-in-Chief and encouraged the introduction of the instrument into the regimental bands, a royal camp bugle in C stamped with Halliday's name as inventor, and made by P. Turn. 5 Wormwood Gate, Dublin, was exhibited by Call, Shaw Hellier at the Royal Military Exhibition in 1890. The instrument measures 17 inches and the total length of the tubing, including the mouthpiece, 501 to in. The diameter at the mouthpiece is 1 to inches and at the bell 53 for in. The instrument has a chromatic compass of two octaves, model on opposite. Page 117 points out that the tonality of the key bugle and kindred instruments is determined by the second harmonic given out by the open tube, the first key remaining open. To the original instrument specified in the patent, Halliday added a sixth key, which became the first and was in the normal position open, this key when closed gave B-flat, with the same series of harmonics as the open tube, the series, however, becomes shorter with each successive key, thus, on being opened, the second key gives, the sixth key, the bore of the instrument is just wide enough in proportion to its length to make possible the playing of the fundamental tones in the first two series, but these notes are never used, and the harmonics above the sixth are also avoided, being of doubtful intonation, in the ophiclide, the base of the key bugle, the bore is sufficiently wide to produce the fundamentals of a satisfactory quality. The key bugle was chiefly used in B-flat, a crook for B-flat being frequently added to the bugle in C, the soprano bugle in E-flat was also much used in military bands. The origin of the bugle, in common with that of the hunting horn, is of the highest antiquity. During the Middle Ages, 
the word, bugle, was applied to the ox and also to its horns, whether used as musical instruments or for drinking. The New English Dictionary quotes a definition of bugle dating from C1498, the bugle, is like to an ox and is a fires B.04 P.0706 beast. In 1300 a romance contains the word used in both acceptations. A thousand bugles of ind, and, twi bugle horns and a bow. F. Godfroy gives quotations from early French which show that, as in England, the word bugle was frequently used as an adjective, and as a verb, I I I I cors bouilleras this son or de ren, quatre fils I own. Education P. Tarby, page 32. And, I grant cor bugler and fit en sator son or, I all. 7457. Societe de saint texts Francais. Tubas. Horns. Cornets and bugles have as common archetype the horn of ram, bull or other animal, whose form was copied and modified in bronze, wood, brass, ivory, silver, and sea. Of all these instruments, the bugle has in the highest degree retained the acoustic properties and the characteristic scale of the prototype, and is still put to the original use for giving military signals. The shofar of the ancient Hebrews, used at the siege of Jericho, was a cow's horn josh. By. 4. 5, 8, 13, and C. Translated in the Vulgate Buxina, in the paraphrase of the Chaldee Buxina X Cornu, the directions given for sounding the trumpets of beaten silver described in Numbers X form the earliest code of signals yet known, the narrative shows that the Israelites had metal wind instruments, if, therefore, they retained the more primitive cow's horn and ram's horn shofar, it was from choice, because they attached special significance to them in connection with their ritual. The trumpet of silver mentioned above was the Kopsatra, probably the long straight trumpet or tuba which also occurs among the instruments in the musical scenes of the ancient Egyptians and Assyrians. Gideon's use of a massade band of 300 shofars to terrify and defeat the Midianites judges B.I. 16. And Saul's call to arms 1 Sam. Z.I. 3 show that the value of the shofar as a military instrument was well understood by the Jews. The corn was used by the Roman infantry to sound the military calls, and Vigetti states that the two brand buxina were also used for the same purpose. Mylon possesses a facsimile of an ancient Etruscan cornu, the length of which is 1.40 meters, he gives its scale, pitched one tone below that of the bugle in E-flat, as that of D-flat, of which the harmonics from the 2nd to the 6th are available. The same department of the British Museum was enriched in 1904 with a terracotta model figure 2 of a late Roman bugle c 4th century AD bent completely round upon itself to form a coil between the mouthpiece and the bell and the latter has been broken off. This precious relic was found at Ventoux in France and has been acquired from the collection of Amorel. This is precisely the form of bugle now used as a badge by the 1st Battalion of the King's Own Light Infantry. During the Middle Ages the use of the bugle horn by knights and huntsmen and perhaps also in naval warfare, was general in Europe, as the following additional quotations will show, XXX Cors Buglares, Thalemirox Sunner, Conk, De Jerusalem, 6811, Hippo, Two Squares Blue, with I Grady Bugles Horns, Caxton, Cron, Engel, XX, 192, The Elephant was a glorified bugle horn made of rich material, such as ivory, carved and inlaid with designs in gold and silver, the history of the bugle as a military instrument is in England closely connected with the creation of the light infantry, in which it gradually superseded the drum as a duty and signal instrument. It was during the 17th century that the change was inaugurated, improvements in firearms brought about the gradual abandonment of armor by the infantry, 
and the formation of the light infantry and the adoption of the bugle followed by degrees. One of the oldest light infantry regiments, Prince Albert's 1st Somerset Light Infantry, formed in 1685 by the Earl of Huntington, employed a drummer at that date at a shilling per day. At the end of the 18th century we find the bugle the recognized signal instrument in the light infantry, while the trumpet remained that of the cavalry. The general order introducing the bugle as a minor batch for the light infantry is under date 28th of December 1814. In 1856 the popularity of the Keto Royal Camp bugle in the army had reached its height. A bugle band was formed in the Royal Artillery as a substitute for the drum and fife band. The organization and training of this bugle band were entrusted to trumpet Major James Lawson, who raised it to a very high standard of excellence. Major Lawson was a fine cornet player, and finding the scale of the service bugle too restricted he obtained permission to add to it a valve attachment, which made the bugle a chromatic instrument like the cornet, in fact practically a sax horn. Before long, horns in E-flat, tenor horns in B-flat, euphoniums and bass tubas were added, all made of copper and in 1869 the name of Bugle Band was changed to a Brass Band, and in 1877 it was merged in the Mounted Band, the Bugle with its double development by means of keys into a Royal Camp Bugle and off equide, and by means of valves into sax horns and tubas, formed the nucleus of brass bands of all countries during the greater part of the 19th century. The Flugelhorn, as its name denotes, became the signal instrument of the infantry in Germany as in England and still holds it on with the key bugle in the fine military bands of Austro-Hungary. There is in the Department of Prehistoric Antiquities at the British Museum a fine bugle horn belonging to the Bronze Age in Denmark, the tube, which has an accentuated conical bore, is bent in a semicircle, and has on the inner bend a series of little rings from which were probably suspended ornaments or cords. An engraved design runs spirally round the whole length of the tube, which is in an excellent state of preservation. Meyer Bayer introduced the bugle in B-flat in his opera Robert Diable in the scene of the resurrection of the nuns, and a bugle in A in the fifth act. C. For further information on the technique of the instrument, Logier's introduction to the art of playing on the Royal Camp Bugle London, Clementy, 1820, and for the use of the bugle in the French army, G. Kastner, Emmanuel General de Musique Militaire with illustrations, Paris, 1848. K.S. The word is derived from Lat. Buculus, a young bull, bugle, meaning a long jet or black glass bead, used in trimming ladies' dresses, is possibly connected with the jer, bugle, a bent piece of metal. The English name, bugle, is also given to a common labiate plant, buberectans, not to be confused with the buglos or anchusa officinalis. For diagrams of these mouthpieces CBC Mylon, Elements to Acoustic Brussels, 1874, page 96. C.E. Van Der Stricken, La Musica Pays Bies, Volume VI, page 38, where the instrument is not mentioned as a novelty, also Leon, Comte de Labert, Els Dux de Bourgogne, Point E.I., Proofs, Paris, 1849, Tom, I. page 365, Number 1266, Martin Agricola, Musica Instrumentalis de Schwittenberg, 1528, F.B.I.B. Michael Pretorius, Sintima Musicum Wolfenbell, 1618, Place VI, Number 5, C. Captain C. R. Day, Descript, Catalog London, 1891, Pages 168-169, and Place Z, Figure D. Barthol, de Propre, Rebus, Sba, XV, 1495, 
774, Kim Alexander, 5112 and 5282, Dictionnaire de l'Ancien Langue Française du Chapter VC Descriptif du Musée du de Bruxelles, Volume Agent, 1880, See Sir John Smythe, Instructions and Observations for All Chieftains, Captains, and C. London, 1595, pages 158-159. See Richard Cannon, Historical Records of the Regiment London, 1848, page 3. C. H. G. Farmer, Memoirs of the Royal Artillery Band London, 1904, page 183. B.U.G.D.I., A Baluch Tribe of Rhind-Arab Origin numbering about 15.500, who occupy the hills to the east of the Sinkeshin Railway, between Jacobabad and Sibai, with the Marizakob made tribe to the north of them. Like the Maris, the Bugtis are physically a magnificent race of people, fine horsemen, good swordsmen and hereditary robbers. An expedition against them was organized by Sir C. Napier in 1845, but they were never brought under control till Sir Robert Sandyman ruled Baluchistan. Since the construction of the railway, which completely outflanks their country, they have been fairly orderly. B.U.H.L.E. Johann Gottlieb 1763-1821, German scholar and philosopher, was born at Brunswick, and educated at Goetemgen. He became professor of philosophy at Goetemgen, Moscow 1840 and Brunswick, of his numerous publications. V.04P.0707 The most important are the Handbook der Geschichte der Philosophie 8 volumes, 1796-1804, and Geschichte der Neueren Philosophie 6 volumes, 1800-1805. The latter, elaborate and well-written, is lacking in critical appreciation and proportion. There are French and Italian translations. He edited Arena's two volumes, 1793. 1801 and part of Aristotle B. Pontine edition, volumes, IV 1791-1904, B.U.H.T.U.R.I.L. will I.D. Ibnubate all A.H. 820-897, Arabian poet, was born at Mundi Hierapolis in Syria, between Aleppo and the Euphrates, like Abu Tamram he was of the tribe of T.I. while still young, he went to visit Abu Tamram at Horns and by him was commended to the authorities at Madara U.N. Numeran who gave him a pension of 4,000 dirhams about L90 yearly. Later he went to Baghdad, where he wrote verses in praise of the Caliph Motawakil and of the members of his court. Although long resident in Baghdad he devoted much of his poetry to the praise of Aleppo, and much of his love poetry is dedicated to Alwa, a maiden of that city. He died at Mundi Hierapolis in 897. His poetry was collected and edited twice in the 10th century, arranged in one edition alphabetically i.e. according to the last consonant in each line, in the other according to subjects. It was published in Constantinople A.D. 1883. Like Abu Tamar he made a collection of early poems, known as the Hamasa Index of the Poems contained in it, in the Journal of the German Oriental Society, Volume 47, pages 418 if, see if. 
Volume 45, pages 470. Biography in MCG. Dislin's translation of Ibn Kalikin's Biographical Dictionary Paris and London, 1842. Volume I. Pages 657 and in the Book of Songs C-A-B-U-L-F-A-R-A-J. Volumes B-A. Pages 167-175. G.W.T. Builders writes, Many people familiar with the ceremonies attendant on the laying of foundation stones, whether ecclesiastical, Masonic or otherwise, may be at a loss to account for the actual origin of the custom in placing within a cavity beneath the stone, a few coins of the realm, newspapers, and see. The ordinary view that by such means particulars may be found of the event on the removal of the stone hereafter, may suffice as respects latter-day motives, but such memorials are deposited in the hope that they will never be disturbed, and so another reason must be found for such an ancient survival, whilst old customs continue, the reasons for them are ever-changing, and certainly this fact applies to a laying foundation stones, originally. It appears that living victims were selected as a sacrifice to the gods, and especially to ensure the stability of the building. Grimm remarks, it was often thought necessary to immure live animals and even men in the foundation, on which the structure was to be raised, to secure immovable stability. There is no lack of evidence as to this gruesome practice, both in savage and civilized communities. The old pagan laid the foundation of his house and fortress in blood. Under the walls of two round towers in Ireland the only ones examined human skeletons have been discovered. In the 15th century, the wall of Holsworthy Church was built over a living human being, and when this became unlawful, images of living beings were substituted folklore journal. I-2324, the best succinct account of these rites is to be obtained in G.W. Spetsbuilder's Rites and Ceremonies 1893, W.J.H. Teutonic Mythology 1883-1884. Trans. Stolly Press. Bearing Gould on Foundations. Murray's Mag. 1887. Building. The art of building comprises the practice of civil architecture, or the mechanical operations necessary to carry the designs of the architect into effect. It is not infrequently called practical architecture, but the adoption of this form would lead only to confusion, by rendering it difficult to make the distinction generally understood between architecture QV as a fine or a liberal art and architecture as a mechanical art. The execution of works of architecture necessarily includes building, but building is frequently employed when the result is not architectural. A man may be a competent builder without being an architect, but no one can be an accomplished architect unless he be competent to specify and direct all the operations of building. An architect should have a scientific knowledge of the various soils he may meet with, such as clay, earth, silt, rock, gravel, chalk and see, so that when the trial holes are dug out on the site, he can see the nature of the soil, and at once know what kind of a foundation to put to the building, and the depth to which he must go to get a good bottom, he should also have a good knowledge of chemistry, so that he may understand the effects of the various acids, gases, and see, that are contained in the materials he uses, and the objections to their presence, he must be acquainted with the principles of timbering in trenches, and excavations, Shoring, brickwork, fireproof construction, stonework, carpentry and joinery, smith's work, plumbing, heating, ventilation, bells, electric and gas lighting, water supply, drainage, plastering, tiling to internal walls or pavings and roofs, slating of roofs, glazing, painting and decoration, 
he should be able to calculate the various strengths and strains to be placed on any portion of the structure, and have a general knowledge of the building trade, enabling him to deal with any difficulty or defects that may arise. An important feature in the qualification of the architect is that he should be thoroughly conversant with the bylaws of the different towns or districts, as to the requirements for the various classes of buildings, and the special features of portions of the different buildings. The following are examples of the various buildings which he may have to design, and the erection of which he may have to superintend, dwelling houses, domestic buildings, shops, dwellings for the working class, public buildings such as churches, schools, hospitals, libraries and hotels, factories of all kinds for all general trades, studios, electric power stations, cold storage buildings, stables and slaughterhouses, with regard to factories places for the storage or making of different patent foods, and for slaughter of beasts intended for human consumption. Stringent bylaws are in most countries laid down and enforced by the public health authorities. In England, the public health acts and bylaws are carried out by the various borough or district authorities, who appoint inspectors especially to study the health of the public with regard to sanitary arrangements. The inspectors have special powers to deal with all improper or defective food or with any defects in buildings that may affect its cleanly preparation. In addition to meeting the requirements of the clients, the various buildings have to be constructed and planned on clearly defined lines, according to the rules of the various authorities that control their erection. Thus the construction and planning of public schools are governed in England by the Board of Education, and churches are governed by the various societies that assist in financing the erection of these edifices. Of these the incorporated church building society exercises the strongest control. Factories both in England and France must be planned and erected to meet the separate acts that deal with these buildings. The fire insurance companies lay down certain requirements according to the size of the building, and the special trade for which it is erected, and fix their rate of premium accordingly. Dwelling houses in London must be erected in accordance with the many building acts which govern the materials to be used and the methods by which they shall be employed, the thickness of walls, rates of inclination of roofs, means of escape from fire, drainage, space at rear, and c, and c. These laws especially forbid the use of timber-framed buildings, in sundry districts in England where the model bylaws are not in force, notably at Letchworth, Hertz. It is possible to erect buildings with sound materials and trammeled by bylaws, with regard to premises used in a combined way as shop and dwelling house, if in London, and the building exceeds 10 squares, or 1,000 square feet super in area, the stairs and a large portion of the building must be built of fire-resisting materials, in the erection of London flats under certain conditions the stairs and corridors B.04P.0708 must be of fire-resisting materials, while in parts of New York timber buildings are allowed, for illustrations of these see the article carpentry, in public buildings and theaters in London. Paris and New York not only the construction, but also the exits and seating accommodation and stage, including the scenery dock and flies, must conform to certain regulations. The conditions necessary for planning a successful building may be summarized as follows, 1. Ease of access, 2. Good light, 3. Good service, 4. Pleasing environment and approaches, 5. Minimum cost with true economy, in the case of office buildings, also ease of rearrangement to suit tenants. An architect should also be practically acquainted with all the modes of operation in all the trades or arts employed in building, and be able minutely to estimate beforehand the absolute cost involved in the execution of a proposed structure. 
the power to do this necessarily involves that of measuring work usually done by the quantity surveyor at an advanced stage of the work, and of ascertaining the quantities to be done. In ordinary practice the architect usually cubes a building at a price per foot cube, as will be described hereafter, but an architect should know how to measure and prepare quantities, or he cannot be said to be master of his profession. Building includes what is called construction, which is the branch of the science of architecture relating to the practical execution of the works required to produce any structure, it will therefore be necessary to explain the subject in a general manner before entering upon building in detail. Although the styles of architecture had varied at different periods, buildings, wherever similar materials are employed, must be constructed on much the same principles. Scientific knowledge of the natures and properties of materials has, however, given to the modern workman immense advantages over his medieval brother craftsmen, and caused many changes in the details of the trade, or art of building, although stones, bricks, mortar, and sea, then as now, form the element of the more solid parts of all edifices, the object of constructions is to adapt, combine and fit materials in such a manner that they shall retain and use the forms and dispositions assigned to them, if an upright wall be properly constructed upon a sufficient foundation, the combined mass will retain its position and bear pressure acting in the direction of gravity to any extent that the ground on which it stands, and the compound materials of the wall, can sustain, but pressure acting laterally has a necessary tendency to overthrow a wall, and therefore it will be the aim of the constructor to compel, as far as possible, all forces that can act upon an upright wall, to act in the direction of gravity or else to give it permanent means of resistance in the direction opposite to that in which a disturbing force may act. Thus when an arch is built to bear against an upright wall, a buttress or other counterfort is applied in a direction opposed to the pressure of the arch. In like manner the inclined roof of a building spanning from wall to wall tends to thrust out the walls, and hence a tie is applied to hold the opposite sides of the roof together at its base, where alone a tie can be fully efficient and thus the roof is made to act upon the walls wholly in the direction of gravity, or where an efficient tie is inapplicable, as in the case of a hammer beam roof. Buttresses or counterforts are added to the walls, to enable them to resist the pressure outwards. A beam laid horizontally from wall to wall, as a girder to carry a floor and its load, may sag or bend downwards, and tend thereby to force out the walls, or the beam itself may break. Both these contingencies are obviated by trussing which renders the beam stiff enough to place its load on the walls in the direction of gravity, and strong enough to carry it safely, or if the beam be rigid in its nature, or uncertain in its structure, or both as cast iron island and will break without bending, the constructor by the smith's art will supply a check and ensure it against the possible contingency. Perfect stability, however, is not to be obtained with materials which are subject to influences beyond the control of man and all matter is subject to certain influences of that nature. The influences mostly to be contended against are heat and humidity, the former of which produces movement of some kind or to some extent in all bodies. The latter, in many kinds of matter, whilst the two acting together contribute to the disintegration or decay of materials available for the purposes of construction. These pervading influences the constructor seeks to counteract, by proper selection and disposition of his materials. Stone and brick the principal materials in general construction, keep their places in combination by means of gravity, they may be merely packed together, but in general they are compact by means of mortar or cement, so that although the main constituent materials are wholly incompressible, masses of either, or of both, 
combined in structures are compressible, until the setting medium has endured it to a like condition of hardness. That kind of stone is best fitted for the purposes of general construction which is least absorbent of moisture, and at the same time free to a work. Absorbent stone exposed to the weather rapidly disintegrates, and for the most part non-absorbent stone is so hard that it cannot always be used with a due regard to economy. When, therefore, suitable stone of both qualities can be obtained, the harder stone can be exposed.